Bob Weston says, cherish your doubts, for doubt is the attendant of truth. Doubt is the key to the door of knowledge. It is the servant of discovery. It's also a good way to stave off foolishness. Let me share a story told by Rumi. A certain man <clears throat> caught a bird in a trap. And the bird says, Sir, you have eaten many cows and sheep in your life, and you're still hungry. The little bit of meat on my bones won't satisfy you either. If you let me go, I'll give you three pieces of wisdom. One I'll say standing on your hand, one on your roof, and one I'll speak from the limb of that tree. Well, the man was interested, so he freed the bird and he let it stand on his hand. And so the bird offered the first piece of wisdom. Do not believe an absurdity, no matter who says it. And the bird flew and lit on the man's roof. And then the bird shared the second piece of wisdom. Do not grieve over what is past. It's over. Never regret what has happened. Oh, and by the way, says the bird, in my body there's a huge pearl weighing as much as ten copper coins. It was meant to be the inheritance of you and your children, but now you've lost it. You could have owned the largest pearl in all existence, but evidently it was not meant to be. Well, the man hearing this started to wail loudly. And the bird said, Didn't I just say, don't grieve for what's in the past? And also, don't believe an absurdity? My entire body doesn't weigh as much as 10 copper coins. How could I have a pearl that heavy inside me? So the man came to his senses and said, okay, okay, okay. So tell me the third piece of wisdom. And the bird says, yes, you've made such good use of the first two. But the bird offered the third piece of wisdom. Don't give advice to someone who's groggy and falling asleep. Don't throw seeds on the sand. Some torn places cannot be patched. Story told by Rumi. So, cherish your doubts. Cherish them. Despite the tremendous human progress achieved through an inquiring spirit, there are still those who cling to certainty and are susceptible to absurdity. We see how this can lead to believing things that defy logic and good sense, 
and to discounting free expression and the diversity of human experience. We see this in society, we see it in politics, we see it in religion. Doubts get perceived as weakness, chaos, and lack of faith. This suspicion of doubt translates into ideological rigidity, into fundamentalism in religion and politics, and into religious dogmatism. Certainty leads to a rejection of growth, of creativity, of curiosity. It squashes openness and choice. And I use that word choice very intentionally here this morning. I use that word choice in direct reference to the vote of the Alabama Senate and the signing by Alabama's governor, Kay Ivey, this week of an extremist anti-choice law. Missouri, as you know, followed only a few days later with their own extreme bill. The Alabama bill prohibits abortions at every stage of pregnancy. There's only one exception in cases of serious risk for the mother's health. And if the law is upheld, it allows doctors to be prosecuted for performing abortions. It doesn't allow doctors, women, and families to search their conscience, nor to inquire about the scientific and ethical truths of conception, start of life, and the meaning of consciousness. It shuts down the complexities and the realities of people's individual lives and experiences and beliefs. This decision and those of other states instituting anti-abortion laws seek to determine for others, for women, the ways they can and cannot make decisions about their own bodies. Such absolutist mindsets are deeply troubling, harmful, and unjust. They demonize doubt. They create and further disparities and perpetuate privilege. They enslave women to archaic laws and to the patriarchal machine of oppression. They seek to diminish the flourishing of the liberal free spirit, which is what we as Unitarian Universalists are so much about. They hold us hostage to doing things according to a rigid set of beliefs and ideals that are imposed on us through manipulation and distortion and inflicted on those who are most vulnerable. As we are learning, it's a struggle to combat such manipulation and misinformation at this time in history. Discerning truth from fiction is harder than ever. And deciding who to trust and who not to trust is also harder than ever. In the case of reproductive rights, this is leading to the anti-abortion message penetrating beyond social conservatives. And this ought to concern us greatly.
According to recent surveys conducted for progressive groups, more than half of Americans are aware of the infanticide claims. The term infanticide is being deliberately misused to describe late in pregnancy abortions. The New York Times notes that, and I'm quoting them, initially many Democrats and abortion rights groups believed that the notion was so absurd that it was not worth responding to. But they discovered that was a dangerous assumption to make. Remember Rumi's story of the bird? The man believes in absurdity that defies logic, even when warned not to. Dr. Leanna Wen, the president of Planned Parenthood, says, sometimes there is a temptation to let the absurdity stand on its own. But we have to recognize that this is a different time. Abortion is being labeled as infanticide and as an effort to execute babies. These terms are being deliberately conflated with abortion late in pregnancy. And Dr. West Wang goes on to say, it's important that we as doctors and healthcare providers explain the extremely rare and devastating circumstances of abortion later in pregnancy. Dr. Wang cautions that addressing questions based on implausible and often outright false premises can be a mistake. Instead, she says, and again quote her, a more persuasive way to talk about the issue is to explain that abortions that occur far into pregnancy are not done on healthy mothers, but because of serious medical complications discovered late in pregnancy. One of the challenges in the efforts to have more nuanced dialogue, really about not just abortion, but on so many of the issues that are so divisive and so important in our lives right now, one of the challenges is that certain ideas get repeated over and over and over and over and over again. You all know what I mean, right? Right? And a pernicious truthiness begins to emerge. Truthiness is a term Stephen Colbert uses to describe talking points that are false but get repeated so often that people come to believe them and accept them as truth. Unitarian Universalist minister Carl Gregg says, I wanted to read you his quote. He says that this tactic isn't new. Ancient Athenian democracy gives us the word demagoguery for politicians who appeal to emotions, fears, prejudices, and ignorance to gain power and promote political motives. To relate ideology, demagoguery, and truthiness back to our Unitarian Universalist commitment 
to be an evolutionary religion that embraces all that we have learned since the scientific revolution, it has been said that the liberal turn in religion is an attempt to create meaningful lives and build beloved communities in a world that is diverse and in which the traditional center has fallen out. Greg goes on to say, note that the word liberal comes from the Latin word liber, L-I-B-E-R, meaning free. So a liberal turn in religion is a move toward freedom in religion. It is a shift from authority grounded in community, hierarchy, and tradition to authority grounded in reason, in other words, what is logical, and experience, in other words, what one knows firsthand for oneself or what can be proven through the scientific method. As Unitarian Universalists, we embrace reason and experience. Reason and experience. This doesn't mean that we don't sometimes get caught up in our own version of absolutes and truthiness. And it doesn't mean we don't have our own work to do around these issues. We do. But we aspire to the search for truth as a key to the door of knowledge and as a servant of discovery. Our principles and our sources call us to the exercise of conscience, to a free and responsible search for truth and meaning, and to the scientific method of inquiry. Bernard Baruch, who was an American financier and a philanthropist, wisely observed that Millions saw the apple fall, but Newton asked, why? Exactly, why? If no one had asked why, we wouldn't have discovered gravity. We wouldn't have built rockets. We wouldn't have gone to the moon. We wouldn't have computers or smartphones. We wouldn't have electricity or light bulbs or heart transplants or vaccines, we wouldn't have democracy, or art, or wheels, or Unitarian Universalism. We wouldn't have the capacity to offer reproductive health, including medical wellness examinations, pregnancy tests, birth control, STD testing and treatment, cancer screening and prevention, abortions, hormone therapy, and infertility services. Rumi offered us those three counsels from a bird. Leonardo da Vinci offers us his own three counsels. Da Vinci was arguably the most curious person who ever lived. And these three counsels are attributed to his exuberant level of questioning. The first is observe without predefined distinctions. 
observe, look, pay attention, use the powers of observation to bring together and intermingle different people and perspectives, different ideas, different specialties, a diversity. The second counsel is question the obvious. In our everyday lives, it's easy to take things for granted and to accept things as they are. However, we see how limiting and how damaging that can be. There's a need for us to be more questioning and to cultivate our collective, not just our individual ability, but our collective ability to live with nuance rather than sound bites to live with uncertainty rather than ideology. This leads to the third counsel, experimentation. Da Vinci experimented. This is at the heart of the scientific method. Rather than treating a work or an achievement or even a way of doing church, as final or static, as the way it's always been done, therefore the way we must always do it now and forever. Experimentation accepts that what we produce and do is a work in progress. The self, Unitarian Universalism, the world are forever evolving. Progress isn't linear, but to curtail progress and efforts to make progress is to defy the human spirit and the evolutionary nature of existence, of our very lives. But I feel a need to remind myself and all of you that as painful and as dangerous as regressive measures feel to us. They are temporary. It can be hard for us to believe that. Things do not stay the same. I believe it's helpful for us to remember that at times like this. Remember to breathe, to breathe and also to take action, to act to combat rigidity, fundamentalism, ideological perspectives. It helps to remember that very few decisions are final in quite the way we think they are. And so it matters that we continue our work, that we continue to keep alive the liberal religious spirit and the liberal religious message and the liberal religious witness. We need to keep it alive now 
and into the future. We need to keep it alive in us and in our community so that it is alive in our world. A wise faith observes and questions and experiments. A wise faith defends human freedom and human agency. May we cherish our doubts, our doubts that sustain such freedoms. May we let our doubts be in service to our faith, this faith, to our search for truth and to our actions for justice. The world needs our liberal religious message. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you'd like a copy of the transcript of this sermon, you can find most week's messages at www.uuberks.org sermons. If you have any thoughts or conversation about today's message, we hope you'll take a moment to stop by our Facebook page and share them. And from all of us at First UU Berks, may this chalice light your path and guide your way until you join us again. Thank you.